Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Title Now pop-up webinar series. I'm Melissa Murphy with The Fund, and I have the pleasure uh, to host these webinars, at which we try to cover topics that are timely and are of interest to the real estate transaction industry. So if you have any suggestions for topics, reach out to me and let me know what you would like to hear about. Uh, you can email me, you can call me, email's easy in Murphy at thefund.com. And a reminder that we also push the audio version of these webinars out on our podcast, which is also conveniently called Title Now. This is a great way for you to listen to the content again, which I'm sure you will want to do over and over again, but also share it with your colleagues. And it's super easy to, to subscribe to the podcast. You can get it through whatever channel or source you get your other podcasts from. So please subscribe today. I would love for you to be one of my regular listeners. Today's topic is very timely, definitely falls into that category. <clears throat> Geographic targeting orders have been with us for seven years now in Florida. But the coverage was originally limited to just three counties, Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, and Broward. And the GTOs kept getting extended. And so we got into the habit of anticipating each of those extensions. So we were never surprised when we got the extension one or two days before the deadline would have expired. And fund members doing business in those three counties have figured it out. They have incorporated the required analysis and filing into their workflow. It's pretty much business as usual for those folks. But with the most recent GTO extension, we were a bit taken aback. Not a lot, but a bit. Because the GTO was expanded to cover eight more counties in Florida. There's uh, long been talked in Washington about the desire of FinCEN to expand these nationwide, which is why we weren't too surprised that it got expanded in Florida. Um, and I guess to some degree, we should be grateful. It's only eight more counties and not more, but this does affect a whole lot of fund members. And those of you in those eight counties probably tuned out of you know, our webinars and information about all the procedures and information that we produced to support members that must deal with the requirements of the GTO. But of course, we always want you to be prepared for whatever challenge comes your way. So today's webinar is all about FinCEN GTO compliance for those of you who are fairly new to this topic. So who better to have with me but Jay St. Lawrence, our regulatory compliance counselor, counsel. And Jay's here to fill you in on what you need to do. So Jay, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Melissa. Oh, I know it is. <laughs> so first, before Jay shares all of his knowledge with you, let's do some housekeeping things. Uh, we do uh, encourage your questions. Um, and put those in the questions area. It's on the right-hand side of your page there. We will do our best to answer the questions at the end of our presentation or our conversation. And if we can't get to your question because we run out of time, I am respectful of your time, 
then we will try to reach out to you individually with an answer. And we have with us monitoring those questions, one of our underwriting attorneys, Princey Baliatho-Daddle, um, who is um, an expert next to Jay on this topic, so she will be very helpful. Uh, let's get started with some basics, Jay. So what resources does the fund already have available that can help members with compliance? So uh, besides the uh, information on the uh, info center on the fund website, which has links to the new GTO and other information and bulletins uh, from Melissa in the past, uh, the, you know, the guts of this thing is uh, providing uh, this mandatory report, right? You got to do the currency transaction report. And I think that's the part I think lawyers can wrap their brains around what we're doing here pretty well. Um, we are, uh, you know, reporting the 25% or more ultimate beneficial owners of these business entities doing these cash purchases. Uh, we have a couple of videos for you, and they are in the on-demand training library section of the fund website. One is called uh, the BSA e-filing account setup because you file these things online. So you got to set up an account with a banking. It's BSA is the Banking Secrecy Act, and that's what all of this sort of relates to. So we have an entire video on how to set up your account. And then we have another video on how to complete a currency transaction report. And it's called how to complete a currency transaction report. Uh, and those are both in the same area of the um, of the fund, uh, fund website. And again, the it's not the on-demand webinars. Don't go there. You won't find it. It's the uh, on-demand training library. That's still under legal education on the fund website. Um, and let me let me say this, Jay, that um, putting on my hat as a member, I went on the fund's website, I clicked on the information um, link at the top, I went to the education section, clicked on that, and boom, those two webinars popped up right away. So it is really easy to find on the website. Good, good so, to know. Um, existing resources are there, they're very mm -hmm. helpful. But um, let's go ahead and cover some of that stuff today in this webinar so people will uh, be able to absorb some of that information and know what they're kind of looking for when they go to those webinars. So give us a really high level summary of the factors that a member must look at to determine whether a transaction must be reported. Before we even get to what is it that you have to report, what are the what, what are the indicators in a transaction that it's going to be covered and require reporting? Well, I mean, you want to look right at the GTO, which is um, uh, fairly, you know, readable, especially to attorneys. I don't think um, any, you know, lawyers will find it too challenging, although the wrinkles can be tricky. Uh, so you are looking at a purchase of residential property. Uh, property, uh, the GTO says, primarily designed for residential use. So it doesn't matter how many units or what size, it's residential property. It's by a business entity, uh, and that could be basically any kind of business entity, although somewhere along the line, we got a clarification that does not include trusts, uh, but other types, corps, LLCs, partnerships, buying, a, buying residential property in one of these locations. There is a purchase uh, dollar money, uh, uh, a dollar uh, threshold, uh, which is $300,000 now. If you were only paying attention back at the beginning, it used to be much higher. Uh, but now with the $300,000 threshold, it's probably going to cover 
virtually any residential transaction you can think of. Uh, it has to be made without an institutional loan. And conceptually, it might be helpful. I don't wanna, I don't wanna uh, throw too many curves or anything, but it might be helpful to think about what's being done here is uh, you know, the government wants to be able to identify uh, people who are making these purchases for anti-money laundering purposes. So they figure if you're using an institutional lender, they're already subject to the Banking Secrecy Act, and there's a certain you know, rubric that they go through for people who are doing business with them. So uh, one of the things that brings you under the GTO requirement is not having an institutional loan. If you have one of those, you're out from under this thing. And also, uh, an additional requirement, which I guess corresponds to that, is that you're using a form of payment like a bank draft, cash, uh, cashier's check, something like that. And we don't discuss it a lot, but a, another requirement, the reason why we're all involved is that title insurance is being issued. So well, that's a point that I think is important because to whom are these GTOs directed? The underwriters. The underwriters. They have <laughs> they have co-opted our industry. And uh, again, I'm not not uh, making a judgment or editorializing, no but judgment. the, the no the Treasury the Treasury Department is behind FinCEN. FinCEN is a financial crimes enforcement network. It's a division of Treasury, which is um, part of the federal government, of course. And what they have decided is they have co-opted title insurance underwriters and their agents uh, to be responsible for doing this reporting. I guess the obvious logic would be we're going to be involved in most of these transactions, so we are in a position to see when a, you know, uh, a, a business entity of, you know, unknown beneficial owners is purchasing residential property in one of these areas uh, for $300,000 or more. Therefore, they, they, they have touched us and said, it is your job to do this. So you've already mentioned this, but I want to emphasize it, that there is an obligation to uh, file a form, and you mentioned the name of the form. The Currency Transaction Report, or CTR, Current, since we love letters. Currency, currency Transaction Report, CTR, yet another sort of acronym that we can throw around. But is that all done online now? Yes. Yeah, that's how you, this is not a paper process. And this is another trend for all kinds of government reporting when we get into the Corporate Transparency Act next year and so forth. Um, you have to go online, set up an account, and submit electronically. That's the only way they want it. So if a member has questions about whether their transaction is covered based on the parameters that you outlined, or getting the online account and filling out that CTR, is there a place here at the fund that they can easily send questions uh, yeah, you can you can contact us. I believe. Oh, Melissa, there's still an email address, right? Uh, for yeah, regulatory uh, compliance at oh, the just, okay. just me. Yeah, that'll go to me. Yeah, regulatory compliance at the fund.com, all written out. You can also, if you have, so if you have substantive legal questions, definitely contact us or call me or talk to Princey. Um, if you have substantive legal questions on how it works, if you are caught up in, I'm in the middle of the form. And I'm stuck on, you know, checks, checkbox 36A. I would recommend uh, you call the fund and ask for uh, the legal, um, the paralegals, our experts uh, in this area as well. If you're stuck on the form itself and the nitty gritty of that, 
Um, they gave me a phone number, 800-432-9594, familiar, and option nine. So okay. it's option nine. Yeah, it's option nine in the fund directory to get to a paralegal who would be uh, trained on the use of the forms themselves. And I don't mind trying to answer those questions either, uh, but they're going to be better uh, at the because they deal with it all the time on the, the nitty gritty of answering the forms. If you have questions about how this works, whether it applies, that's more regulatory compliance. I right, give them that phone number again. Yeah, and I could probably drop it in the chat. Um, here we go. Let me drop All it right. in the questions box here and maybe that will be helpful to people. That's why Jay's here. Yeah, here we go. What are the what are the typical what are some typical questions that you get from members that you've experienced so far? That I've gotten? Um yeah. well, yeah. we were just we we're just chatting about one. Should I bring up the big kahuna? Um, you know, what about vacant land? You know, and maybe it's gonna be residential in the future. Our best answer is no, the GTO does not apply to vacant land. Um, there's a little bit of evidence out there that FinCEN has maybe been a little ambiguous. If for some reason you think this vacant land really screams residential property, um, I guess conceivably you could get on the phone with them, but generally speaking, it's unimproved or vacant. You are not looking at the GTO. I would start there. What about questions about the buyer entity? Are, do you get many questions about that? I haven't seen a lot of those. There was a lot of confusion about trusts until they clarified that. So again, trusts are not covered as other types of business entities. Um, there's, and I don't know if we mentioned, if you look at the whole GTO, there are other exemptions for uh, publicly traded entities or a self-regulating body, which is a special uh, entity that has authority from the government to make rules on its own. Um, uh, I don't know how often you're gonna run into those. Um, but other than that, I think people have got it. I mean, most of, and you know, those of you who are, are on board here just wanting to get this down and concerned about it, most of the concerns seem to be right at the beginning. How do I set up the account? How do I, how do I send in these reports? I haven't personally seen a whole lot of confusion about the business entity part. Um, sometimes people have questions about you know, who is the beneficial owner? Because again, the, the question the government is asking is you've got ABC Corp, you know, buying this house in whatever county uh, for cash, essentially, or cash equivalents. I've got to do a report. Um, uh, people ask, you know, what the government's trying to get to is who is behind that? What human being ultimately benefits from this entity? Because again, they're concerned about money laundering, you know, potential illegal activity of some kind. Uh, the Beneficial owner threshold is someone who uh, owns or controls 25% or more. And sometimes people get tangled up in, you know, who owns how much and is this, you know, do I have to report if somebody, if nobody owns at least 25%, you don't have to report. And that sometimes is the case. What about nonprofits? Nonprofits uh, came to us the other day and scrambling around as best we can tell, uh, it's not that they're exempt, but they don't have owners. So if it's a true nonprofit, uh, there is no general exception in the GTO for a nonprofit. Uh, and you know, sometimes people use that word loosely. You know, if it's some other type of semi-charitable organization, that's different. If there is an owner, I would say, you know, or owners, I would say that it would still be subject to reporting. But if it is a true nonprofit organization, they only have a board. They don't have equity interests assigned to anyone. So I don't see how you would report anything in that regard. And that's the that's our best answer on that. 
You know, I just thought of a critical piece of information that uh, you and I have both glossed over, and that is uh, reminding people of the eight new counties that were added. Yeah. <laughs> Hillsborough, Pasco, Pasco. Nellis, Manatee, Manatee, Sarasota, Sarasota. Charlotte, or Collier. So clearly, Simpson is picking up the West Coast of Florida in this most recent GTO. So, so you don't ever get a member that calls you and says, I've got a transaction that, that is covered and the buyer will not give me the information that I need. What do I do? I have heard of that. I don't know if I have personally received that question, uh, but that's certainly within the realm of possibility. I don't see how you can close. I mean, if you if you have determined, and you know, we're not we here at the fund are you know are with underwriting and trying to help with um, you know uh, real estate related information. We are not ourselves the the government authorities, but to close that and not do the report because you didn't have the information would be breaking the law. And unlike there, there are certain places where you're porting things to the IRS where someone won't give you their, you know, their ID number or something, you can file an affidavit and say, I tried. That is not true as near as we can tell for the GTO. I don't think there's any way to report and say, hey, ABC Corp did this thing that should be reported, but they won't tell me who their beneficial owners are. I don't think that exists. So I think you have no options there. And I frankly don't see how you would close. And I think that's what our answer has been to people calling, calling. I know people have called with that in the past. I haven't tackled that myself, but it makes sense that someone would say, and you know, that might exact, that might be exactly the people the government is trying to apply this to. It's people who would rather not give out that beneficial owner information. Well, so I, think, yeah, I think you had a problem. Uh, you know, it's, it's possible that because these things have been around for seven years, that the word has gotten out for the people who are seeking to hide their money in um, cash residential transactions, yeah, the word has gotten out. So we might so. face that problem now again with the addition of these eight counties because it just might take some time for the word to trickle out to those folks that are interested in not disclosing who they are, even though they're paying $750,000 cash for a condo on the Gulf, that may come up again. But but certainly your advice is spot on that you just can't close that transaction. I think that's and, true. And, and I, that I, I agree with your point. I think that you know anyone who is sophisticated, who is really trying to engage in very sneaky illegal activities, uh, there are ways that fairly obvious ways they could avoid this whole thing, you know, if they wanted to. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I would agree with you. I would expect, a, you know, a, a rush at the beginning, maybe of some confused people who didn't realize they would have to disclose this information. Uh, and, you know, probably early on in the transaction, if you spot one of these, I would bring it up. Um, there was a there was a brief moment where FinCEN was going to make us not tell people they were reporting. Um, they were being reported. That is not the case. You can tell them. Uh, you need their cooperation. So I would bring it up early and say, hey, you know, I'm going to need that beneficial owner information because it looks like it's covered by this uh, federal order. So it sounds to me like our action plan that we would suggest to, to members would be that if you do business in any of these eight counties, even if you don't, even if your office isn't located there in one of those counties, people's real estate transactions are not confined to the borders of the county in which they live. And people are doing more and more business for clients who are investing in different areas of the state. 
So if you think that you might handle a transaction in one of these counties, the proactive thing to do is to go online and watch the video that shows you how to set up the account. Get your account set up and, and don't wait until you have a transaction in front of you where you're scrambling to learn both how to set up the account and get that confirmation and also file the currency transaction report. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was some discussion of that in the questions box as well. Yeah, I would, if you're in one of these counties and you're in transactional real estate, I would set up your account. You don't want to be, uh, and I mean, we're all, you know, fairly sophisticated in the world of computers and internets and things like that now, as I call them internets, but, um, you know, everything has snags. Melissa, you and I were just talking about, you know, using the online platforms and giving yourself plenty of time for a webinar like this to make sure that everything's running smoothly technologically. So yeah, you you definitely don't want to be sitting there at the closing table trying to figure out how to set up your BSA account. We would now. encourage everybody on this call, when you leave here, if you have a few minutes this afternoon or tomorrow, go ahead and do that. Jay is obviously more skilled at multitasking than I because he's also monitoring the questions. But uh, Princey, what kinds of questions do we have that we can answer for members today? So one of the main questions, a lot of the questions coming up are in relation to private lenders, hard money lenders, um, to see if, if there's a seller financing or buyer financing if it needs to be uh, reported. And so to them, I want to, the GTO does make clear that the, there has to be a bank loan or other similar form of external financing by a financial institution that actually has an obligation to maintain a anti-money laundering program and an obligation to report suspicious transactions. So those are the factors that you want to consider and most hard money lenders actually don't. So that was a frequent question. Um, Jay did answer some about maintaining an uh, account. Um, one of the questions came up is, is it possible to encourage clients to make the cash purchase in their own names and then quit claim it to the property of their LLC? I, I don't know of any restriction on doing that. The GTO doesn't say anything about that. So yeah, if somebody, you know, again, that kind of, if you think about that's not even really frustrating the purpose of the law because, you know, the, I mean, I, I, get, I guess you're saying, yeah, if the person makes a cash transaction into, as an individual human being, did, is that being tracked? Yeah, maybe not. But there's no prohibition uh, that I'm aware of anywhere in the GTO uh, where someone couldn't do that. I mean, if you don't, um, and there are other instances, I think, in real estate law where you can do something and then do something else. Uh, and it's okay. But yeah, I, there's nothing in the GTO that says, uh, you know, there's there's no prohibition on later conveying, you know, to a business entity or something like that. So that raises a question in my mind. Um, so Princey and Jay, is there a time frame, a deadline after the transaction that this um, filing has to take place? 30 days. 30 days. So you have 30 days after the closing to get your report filed. Your report filed. I keep, I keep forgetting the currency transaction report, the TT, CTR. CTR. Yeah. So you've got 30 yeah. days. Well, that should be a, enough time. Uh, what yeah, other kinds of questions, Princey? Uh, can you download the currency transaction report in advance or is it online where you can see the questions that they ask? 
I think if you look at our video, you can see a representation of it. I don't recall off the top of my head whether they let you grab one off the website, but if you watch the setting up a, a BSA account uh, webinar that we, or you know, a video that we've got, uh, or the actually the filling out how to fill out a CTR report video walks you through the report. So you can see what it looks like and what, what else is in that video is there are, can't recall off the top of my head, there are bits and pieces of the way you answer things in that that might not be um, immediately intuitive to you. So it, I think it'd be helpful to you to watch the video to understand how you are supposed to answer some of those questions. Uh, but you, you certainly can get a look at the form that way. You know, watch the video and you can you can see the form. Well, I will take on as an action item the three of us seeing if we can access a blank form in PDF format and post it on the fund website so that that is available to you all because that is a, a good idea so that you don't only have the option of watching the video and, and capturing some screenshots there. So we'll look into whether we can download the blank form. I'll, I'll bet there's a way to access that, but mm -hmm. I'll leave that to my experts. But good question. One other good thing is, um, would the title commitment show that a FinCEN, FinCEN reporting is necessary based on the transaction? And the title commitment, if we identify that there's no institutional lender and it's being purchased by one of the covered entities for these counties, the title commitment will have a requirement to complete the FinCEN reporting and the CTR. So that will be on there for the New York counties. And it's already on there for the county's effective 1121 to give a heads up to start collecting the information. Well, kudos to our underwriting department and our yeah, branch awesome. operations for coming up with those standard commitment clauses. Good information. I was not even aware of that, Princey. So thanks for bringing no, that see, up. We're, we're, we're lucky that Princey is on board today. We are. <laughs> Collective effort, right? That's um, right. Uh, a, a question just came in about a sale of a vacant land for builder lots, and I think that's something you guys covered early in the beginning. Bulk build for rent homes being sold by builders. Build for rent? I'm not sure if I'm familiar. Bulk build uh, Well, that rent. is, they build the homes not for sale, but to rent out. Uh, well, it's residential, not whether it's, not whether it's, um, right. you know, if, no, if but, it's residential property. But the sale of the vacant lot is exempt. Yeah, that's our best understanding. And, you know, if you have something you think is really hairy or it's a lot of money and you think it's, you know, skating on one of these lines, uh, you can call. You can call FinCEN and seek an answer from their attorneys. And this is this is lawyer stuff. I mean, we can give you uh, all of our experience and knowledge that we've gathered over time. Uh, but if you're involved in, you know, some $50 million deal and you think it's skirting up to, you know, the definitions in the GTO, you know, do some research with them if you need to. But uh, yeah, generally we're sticking with vacant or unimproved does not, is not covered by the GTO. Princey, is that it? There's, there's a lot more questions. We'll try to get to as much. One of the things that frequently comes up is what if the buyer is organized in multiple layers of entities, like an LLC, that the member's an LLC and then it's an LLC. So I know that'll be something that's tricky. Um, that was one of the questions that just came up. How do you go, how deep do you go? Um, do you just report the entity under the fee holder entity? That was the question just posed. You've got to, re yeah, you've got to, it's, it's as to the buyer. I mean, this is kind of the thing that government's after though. I mean, it's as to the buyer who ultimately 
owns 25% uh, or more of that entity? And if the answer to that is it's XYZ company, um, I would look at the form, but I mean, that might be the answer. We recommend going down the deep layered, um, going a layer by layer analysis to get to that 25% beneficial ownership. So you may have to go beyond just to get to that ultimate person who has that 25% beneficial in ownership interest. However far you have to go. Yeah. Right. Because aren't they looking for an individual? It, exactly. Yeah, they want they want the yeah, they want the human beings who are ultimately ultimately benefit from this entity because that would be the whole point if you were doing money laundering or you know depositing drug money or you know the stolen money from your uh, from your homeland or whatever would be to find out who's doing this. They want to know the person. Well, I think that we are just about out of time here, so I want to do a couple of things. First, uh, Princey and Jay and I will look over the questions that you've posted that remain unanswered and uh, try to respond to you individually. And you can see that aspects of this, of complying with this law are very easy, but then there are details. It's always the devil is in the details. And so there's some details that you might need to deal with in your particular transaction. So you're gonna have to get familiar with what exactly is required by the GTO. And we will do everything that we can to help you and encourage you to ask questions and encourage you to though, go ahead and get started, get prepared for this and set up your account online. Any, any parting words, Jay or Princey, before I wrap it up? No, I well, think then good. I want to thank everybody that attended this today. We hope it was helpful. If you think you need more information on this topic, just reach out to me or Jay or Princey and we will see what we can put together for you. Um, thank you again for your support of the fund and of all of the resources that we provide to you every day, all day long. So have a great afternoon.